0: Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Brooklyn, UFC on ESPN1. And Shaq, it's going down this Saturday. 2018 is behind us. It's finally 2019, and uh, the UFC is making their debut on ESPN.
1: Yeah, man, it's a new year, new start. We got a, a new, new, uh, I guess, TV network with ESPN. And when you think about sports, man, you think about ESPN. So it's a great move for the sport. You know, Fox did great things, but ESPN's... different level in my opinion man so i'm uh happy and i mean we got a we got a great main event we got you know the snake versus uh sujudo and these guys have been talking a lot of shit these last few days man it's getting really uh intense now
0: man not just them two what about cerrone
1: and hernandez you saw the kind of shit those two were talking (laughs) at the press conference so they uh it's it's a lot of animosity man we haven't had fights in a while so you know even though this some of the stare-downs didn't, uh, you know, necessarily weren't the most exciting, you know, in the the prelim. Tomorrow, I have a, I have a feeling there's going to be some heated stare-downs. People are going to be emotional.
0: Oh, yeah, these guys are going to get into each other's faces. And, uh, man, this is going to kick off a new era of the sport because i remember how big of a deal it was when the ufc first got on fox uh you had joe rogan reading the teleprompter he's stuttering the words uh they showed i think they showed frankie edgar on the on the tv but they had someone else's name under him like they you, know, you remember all that shit man and now uh we're on espn <laughs> the
1: disrespect
0: <laughs> so man it's just amazing how full circle it's gone the only thing that sucks for us as fans is that now we gotta pay an extra four ninety nine a month for this uh, ESPN Plus, but uh, it's gonna be worth it if we're
1: cashing in uh, on these fights. For sure, man. ESPN's at the and Plus, uh, the prelims are actually on big ESPN. So yeah, yeah you get to see. You no, know, it's interesting because everyone's like, "Oh,
0: Greg Hardy's the co-main event." Well, hold up. Let, let Let's talk about that for a second because
1: and he, the reason why that is is because Greg Hardy has a history with ESPN. He played in the NFL for years. What is the biggest sport in America? The NFL? I mean, it's kind true. Of-
0: but here's what I want to say to the fans. Greg Hardy is on the ESPN Plus app. Donald Cowboy Cerrone. They're like, how is Cowboy the prelims? Well, actually, he's the main event of real ESPN. So technically speaking, you get to see Cowboy Cerrone and Alex Hernandez last on ESPN. And you get to see Greg Hardy on the app. So would you guys prefer to see Cowboy Cerrone <laughs> on the app and Greg Hardy on TV? So you can all be like, you know, they'd, they'd be saying the opposite narrative. Uh, how is how's Greg Hardy on TV? Well, you know, they can never uh, get the You know what I'm saying? So it is what it is. But you know what, my man? I am satisfied that I get to talk about fights. The three-week break is over, and let's get right down to business because first up in the UFC welterweight division, we got Kyle Stewart. He's minus 165, and the comeback on Chance Recounter is plus 145. Now, uh, Shaq, uh, I think Kyle Stewart dodged a bullet and a half. He was supposed to fight uh, my good friend Jared Nitrain Gooden in LFA February 1st, and uh, Randy Brown pulled out, and now... They gave Kyle Stewart a call up to the big leagues. He's fighting Chance Rencounter. I really wish they gave Jared Nitrate Gooden the call because I don't think that he would just beat Chancer Rencounter. I think he'd finish a uh, Ren Counter and a uh, Kyle Stewart. And Kyle Stewart, in an interview, he was saying he wasn't that motivated for Jared Gooden. If you're not motivated for Jared Gooden, you will, uh, you will wake up looking up at the lights. But now he's got Ren Counter.
1: How do you think uh, they match up? Yeah, you know, I definitely think Rencounter could possibly be uh, an easier fight. You know, Rencounter had a decent debut. I mean, no shame in getting her ass beat by Bilal for three rounds. It got totally outclassed. But, I mean, what do you expect? You know, uh, Rencounter's a tough guy. I would say his best attribute is his chin. You know, he's got a great chin. He's got good cardio. And he can get up from bottom he's got a decent single leg, he's got Juco wrestling credentials, but other than that, man, I really don't see much out of him offensively, you know, I think his offense, he is a long guy, he can occasionally land a left hand due to his length, but, you know, Stewart, it's hard to say, man, because, you know, on his contender series fight against Jason Jackson, you can tell he definitely has got a presence about him, he's definitely got some power for uh, 170, so, you know, I do think that Stewart is the better fighter, you know, but with this late notice, you know, maybe him not necessarily being motivated up until, you know, as of recently, it's going to be a tough fight, I think it's going to be an ugly fight, I think Counter. I'm not sure if he's going to win a UFC fight, man, I think he's tough, but uh, I just don't see much of a threat of him, you know, necessarily hurting guys, or, you know, being able to hold him down, I just think he's a tough guy, so, I'm gonna have to go with Kyle Stewart. But, you know, in my opinion, it's a dog or pass situation. It's either you think Ren Conner has a shot or not.
0: Yeah, I feel you, man. And as far as Kyle Stewart's concerned, he's definitely in the better fighter than Ren Conner, no doubt about it. But what's interesting about this is that when he got the call to step up on a week short notice to fight Ren Conner, so that was about two weeks out from when he was supposed to make 170 pounds. And I've been following jared this entire camp I, I see him twice a week i know exactly where he was at and jared gooden was at the point where he was just starting his diet for his weight cut around the time when uh, kyle stewart got the call both these guys had to cut 30 pounds to make 170 i mean kyle stewart's a big boy you know what i mean so if he was only starting his diet for his weight cut to 170 that means that kyle stewart is cutting upwards of 30 pounds this week so it might not be the best Kyle Stewart we've ever seen. I'll tell you that right now. But one thing that Kyle Stewart brings to the table, very strong right hand. This guy believes in his right hand all day. And he's also really mentally tough. You know, a uh, shout-out to him for serving in the Marines. I respect the guy a lot. And that's probably why in a lot of these fights, when he does get taken down, because his takedown defense is not the best, he is able to keep his composure, get back up, and finish fights. So I really respect that quality about him. And with Chance counter. His get-up game is fucking on point, man. When these guys take him down, he gets right back up. But aside from that, he doesn't offer much in terms of offense. Uh, And even on the regional scene, some of the guys that he's been going to close decisions with are guys that he should realistically be going out there and putting away. So I'm going to go with Kyle Stewart via decision here. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got Jeff Neal. He's minus 170, and the comeback on Bilal Muhammad is plus 150. Uh, this is a super competitive fight to only be second fight of the Night Shack.
1: It's a great matchup, Jeff Neal. I mean, he's got a lot of hype around him, especially after that Camacho KO. And we know Bilal's one of the more underrated, you know, welterweights in the division. You know, Bilal's definitely got a lot more experience. He just came off that nice one against Ren Counter. Before that, he beat... Uh, Tim Means, which is a solid win. Tim Means is, you know, even though it's about a little over five hundred, that name on your resume is still very impressive. So, you know, when I compare resumes, I would definitely say Bilal Muhammad has fought the better competition, the more tested fight, the guy that's paid his dues in the game. And you know, Jeff Neal's definitely got a couple losses up at middleweight on the local scene, but you know, Holland was at seventy. Oh, uh, Holland was at seventy, but uh, you know, it's a. Uh, He's got a lot of potential. He's definitely grown as a fighter. He's got big power, as we know. You know, his fight with Camacho, you know, some would say, well, Shaq, Camacho's a jobber. He's a can. But one thing I will say about that performance is when I look at the history of Frank Camacho up until that point, one thing that going into that fight that I was a little nervous about was Camacho's first round because in against pretty much everyone Camacho fights is Camacho wins that first round against Dober, Damian Brown, uh, Lee Lee Jing Leong. I mean, and he hurts guys bad that first round, so, you know, I was a little skeptical going into that fight if, uh, you know, they started exchanging punches, and even the Camacho's wrestling in that first round is very good, but when he fought Jeff Neal, all of that got shut down, so I do think Jeff Neal is a legit prospect, but when I look at the line, minus 170, you know, against a guy like Bilal, you know, who I said is the more tested fighter, you know, uh, Definitely could possibly have slightly better cardio as well. You know, Jeff Neal is a big muscular guy. And, you know, in the Kamozi fight, he might have been rushing the finish a little bit, but he'll get away with it against Kamozi for sure. So this is going to be his first real test. uh, You know, I feel like Bilal's definitely got a nice, you know, point, you know, based attack with his parries and his jabs and his outside low kicks. You know, I do think at times he has the tendency to not leave it, uh, not move his head off the center line, and he definitely will eat a few shots. You know, he's been eating the shots a lot better these days uh, compared to his couple losses. But like I said, man, that's just paying the dues, man. But uh, I think it's going to be a close fight. I do think from a betting perspective, it's possibly a dog or pass situation, man, because you can't underestimate, you know, these guys that are super experienced, these guys that have, you know paid their way in the octagon. I've learned from their losses, but I'm actually going with Jeff Neal in this one, man. I think that Jeff Neal, you know, if, if he was a guy that was a little more cocky or, you know, not necessarily talking a little bit more, but you know, I feel like Jeff Neal's a calm, collected guy. I think he's going to pick his shots. I definitely see Bilal having some success, but I do think the power is going to be the difference in this fight. I do think Bilal's is going to feel his power. I do think he's going to get dropped once or twice in this fight. So i am
0: gonna go with Jeff Neal. Jeff Neal's a very talented guy very dangerous southpaw and is someone that even when we saw him on contender series despite the level of competition he's someone that we saw and we're like okay this is a guy that can make waves in the ufc welterweight division then obviously the two performances he's had have uh, reflected those sentiments i mean he's gone out there finished both of his opponents in devastating fashion uh brian camozzi who has no business in the octagon period let alone with jeff neal took care of him how you're supposed to and frank camacho a guy who You know, when guys beat Frank Camacho, usually they get their ass whooped, and then he makes a mistake, he gets choked out like he did against Kasuya, or he'll lose a very close decision, so the fact that Neil, it wasn't even a close fight. Between you and me, he finished him in the first round. It was officially a second round finish, but everything that happened in the second round was a formality. That fight was over in the first, so... Unbelievable performance and, you know, the contender series against Chase Weldon. You know, he took care of him how you're supposed to, man. He, uh, even against uh, the last guy he fought named Bilal, Bilal Williams, he knocked him out in the first round. So, Jeff Neal's been doing his thing. I know the last time he fought someone who's actually still in the UFC, someone who's actually a real fighter, he did get finished in the third round against Kevin Holland. We can sit here and say Kevin Holland's an 85er, even though that fight was at 70. Or we can simply say he's come back, he's learned from his loss Whatever you guys want to say. But the bottom line is, the last time I saw Jeff Neal go to the third round, he did get finished. So I'm just going to leave that out there. As far as Bilal Muhammad's concerned, he's a guy that is not only very underrated, but he's a guy that's been making big improvements every fight. You watch his uh, performance against Steve Carl and Titan, the fight right before his UFC debut, and that, that kind of showed the glimpses of what this dude's capable of, that you know you start to slow down a, on a guy like Bilal, he will amp up that pace, he will start mixing it into the body, he will uh, do whatever it takes. He'll mix in takedowns if he has to. I love his entries as well. But a lot of people are going to bring up this uh, Vicente Luque fight. I think it's important to bring up because, you know, when you're fighting Jeff Neal and you get that call, there's always that chance that if I lose this fight, this guy might go out there and knock me the fuck out. And Bilal has been knocked out, but there's a big difference uh, between Vicente Luque and uh, Jeff Neal. Maybe not in terms of class, even though one's ranked top 20 and one one's ranked top 70, but let's not even worry about that. Let's just worry about the skill sets, the attributes, the styles. Well, Vicente Luque is an orthodox fighter, and he's very reliant on his left hook, and he actually caught Bilal. It looked like Bilal was looking to counter or something. It was just the timing of it was absolutely beautiful was absolutely beautiful vicente's got one of the best left hooks in the game as you know because he's knocked out pretty much all of his ufc wins that he's won via knockout uh, he's knocked the guys out with a left hook Uh, i I think there was one uppercut in there as well but vicente luque's got one of the best left hooks in the game and he's orthodox jeff neal is southpaw so the left hook's not going to be a big weapon here it's going to be the straight left for jeff neal and balala has a very big head his head is going to be a big target he's definitely going to get cracked a couple times But the thing about Bilal, man, is that he's a very smart fighter. He can go out there and beat guys at their own game like you saw against Tim Means, which, uh, you know, he went out there. He was throwing some heavy bombs at Tim Means' standing. And Tim Means is also a southpaw. I know Chance for Counter is a southpaw at all. The only reason I bring that up is just to say that, hey, he's fought two back-to-back southpaws. So he's he's had that look already. But he's never fought uh, an explosive southpaw like this guy, Jeff Neal. So that's what's going to make it so interesting. So I think the first round, Jeff Neal is going to come out here. He's probably going to get the better of the exchanges with Bilal. And one thing that Jeff Neal brings, it's not really his power that's the scary thing. It's his speed. The dude has serious fucking speed. He is so goddamn fast for that weight class. So you have to look out for Jeff Neal's speed. And Bilal has to keep his eyes open, make sure his contacts are in, because uh, this motherfucker (laughs) motherfucker, (laughs) Jeff Neal uh, throws hard as shit. But the thing is, after that first round, Even in that Camacho fight, I saw Jeff Neal huffing and puffing a little bit. But when you have a walking punching bag, it's not a really big deal. But you have someone like Bilal who can go as hard in the second and third as he does in the first. And I think Bilal is going to mix in level changes. And I think eventually starting, you know... Around uh, you know the midway point of the second round, he will feel a lot more comfortable th- letting his hands go as well. First round, he's going to have to take that ass-whooping up front, and I think he's capable of doing so. I'm going to go with Bilal Muhammad via either a 29-28 unanimous or a split decision. I-, I see Bilal Muhammad getting his arm raised if this hits the scorecards. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got T. Edwards. He's minus 135, and the comeback on Dennis Bermudez is plus 115. Shaq, it's amazing how uh how the times have changed my man because dennis Bermudez, if you look at his resume i you know i didn't agree with this decision if you look at his resume he beat max holloway but now you fast forward a little bit he's on a four fight losing streak he's moving up a weight class uh he's doing the whole bit and now he's an underdog to a guy that's uh five or six and two so i i gotta know and this kid got destroyed less than three months ago so i
1: gotta know your opinion man Yeah, man, I think Dennis Bermudez is pretty much the definition of a shot fighter, man. I think he's achieved things that T. Edwards can only dream of, you know, as far as beating Max Holloway. Accomplishments and all, but times have changed. The sport changes. I mean, we're seeing legends nowadays lose to fucking. I mean, if you would have told me. Ten years ago, Nick Lentz would beat the shit out of Gray Maynard like that. I would have been like...
0: (laughs) What about BJ Penn and Ryan (laughs) Hall? BJ
1: Penn and Ryan (laughs) Hall, Kiesa and Conda. I mean, the list goes on and on, man. The the game can change. So, I mean, I guess from a name value point, it definitely is a little interesting to see Bermuda as uh, a dog of T. Edwards. And T. Edwards, as far as his last fight's concerned, he fought Don Madge. And, you know, that fight was a little... Skeptical going in just because, you know, T. Edwards did have that quick KO on contender series. He's a big, explosive D1 wrestler. Uh, I mean, his re- I know Bermudez is also a D1 wrestler, but he ain't on the level of D1 wrestling as uh, T. Edwards. It's it's just different levels, man. We're talking like the cream of the crop D1 wrestling, and Bermudez is a decent well, college wrestler. We'll what school did go to? Went to Arizona State, man. That's Kane. You Didn't know, he transfer to, like, uh, old, from old, old? He went from Old Dominion to two D1 schools, from Old Dominion to Arizona State.
0: So it was Old Dominion first? First,
1: then Arizona okay. State, yeah. You know, so Bubba Jenkins was actually in his corner for that uh, contender series fight. But as far as Dennis goes, man, you know, the uh, I just feel like he's been on the decline for a while, man. Probably since the jeremy fight man i think uh
0: what the llamas fight when he got dropped by a jab got,
1: i mean even in his win streak prior to that man you got to look at those opponents and who he's fighting he was getting rocked by tommy hayden you know who's not in the ufc you know he, steven siler you know he beat his ass but siler's a pipsqueak man <laughs> uh jimmy had his he's a little jujitsu jitsu guy flapping to his back man uh matt grice unquestionable and i mean it was a great fight but he got wobbled all over the place a hundred times i think dennis in his prime man was just the menace man he used to just you know go for it you know he did was reckless he was powerful he was that big strong featherweight i think he's from the old era of featherweight i think he's from that llamas era that you know mendez uh era you know that uh the lens the back wrestler with yeah, an overhead you know what i'm saying that that featherweight era when they first came over you know what i'm saying so you know i think he's past his prime t edwards you know definitely an embarrassing uh loss his last fight he got knocked out stiff but you know when i look at don madge's you know, that whole situation is, you know, they were going to put Don Madge in there with, with Tay Moore for his debut initially. And, you know, nobody knew anything about Don Madge because, you know, we just saw the South Africa thing and we just <laughs> we thought Ron Potts. You know what yeah. I'm saying? We thought who <laughs> Potts, South Africa. Oh, my God. Gareth, Gareth, McClellan. Gareth McClellan. Oh, my God. No, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't uh, don't go with the South African. But, you know, turns out Don Madge is a K1 champion. Uh, I mean, I looked up his uh, striking credentials, man. This guy's got like over 100 fights in Thailand. Uh, I mean, he's a b- jiu-jitsu brown belt. So, you know, I think uh, that line was just a little bit off, man. Uh, and Tay Edwards, I think he's an explosive, explosive D1 wrestler. All his wins are by first-round knockout. I mean, if you make a mistake out in space with T Edwards, he will put your lights out. He's that explosive. He's that fast. Like we were talking about earlier, he kind of reminds you of a poor man's uh, T Wood. You know what I'm saying? He's just big, explosive uh, college wrestler, man. So, you know, I think uh, as far as they match up, of course, we don't know how T, uh, T. Edwards does in extended fights, but I think that with the weight, uh, with Bermudez moving up in weight, I just think this is a desperate, desperate measure to get a win. You know, he's under the impression that he's getting robbed in these fights that he's been losing. But you know, when I look at T. Edwards in com- in comparison to his past opponents, like you know an Elkins, Feely or a Rick Glenn, for example, you know, I would like going into all those fights, I was like except the Rick Glenn one, I was thinking, you know, Dennis is the more powerful guy. He'll be able to beat Elkins. Elkins can't take him down. But it's like these guys are beating him at his strengths, you know, which leads me to believe that he's completely shot. You know, the Rick Glenn fight really confirmed it to me because I was like, when the standup is going so much in Rick Glenn's favor, you know, Rick Glenn doesn't really have, you know, and a stand-up advantage in most of his fights, you yeah. know what I'm saying? But when it's going in his favor, it's so much to the point where you got Dennis just shooting these repetitive takedowns, but then even when he gets on top, he's getting smashed on bottom, and, like, you know, he, he's an autopilot, basically, he's shot, man. So, you know, I think... Uh, Basically, I think, you know, with him moving up to 55, I think he's making a big mistake. I think that Dennis is a guy that gets wobbled consistently consistently at 45. I don't think he's fought a guy uh, with power like T, with speed like T. I think 55 is a completely different weight class. I think he's making a big mistake. I think T. Edwards is going to knock him out in the first round.
0: Unless your name is Davi Hamosh... You cannot be five foot six and compete in the UFC lightweight division. And that's just the bottom line. So I can just go ahead and tell you that I'm picking uh, T. Edwards here, but I want to break it down a little bit more. The thing with Bermudez is he's completely washed up, you know, and he's been washed up for a very long time. And now uh, we're seeing it come to fruition. We're seeing it come full circle. Those three split decisions—they should have all been unanimous. He lost all of those fights. Don't even sit here and give me any bullshit that he beat Rick Len because
1: he, beat, it was a rock.
0: he absolutely <laughs> lost yeah, it to Rick Len. Let, let me ask you guys something. What, what do you count more? Do you count a bunch of significant strikes to the face more, or do you count takedowns with zero damage more? Because I personally count significant strikes to the face, you know, because it is a
1: fist fight and all. Like I said, even when he got on top, he was getting smashed from bottom. <laughs> so, like, I think he's completely shot. Um, even in the fights, he, the last fight that he won was against Honey Jason. You know, when I look at that fight, my boy Honey Jason, Honey Jason, the guy that's <laughs> you know kicking his sister down there in Brazil. Oh man! <laughs> but anyways, you know that fight. You know, Dennis wins the first two rounds by being the physical guy. You know, getting his takedowns, riding out the top control. But then the third round, it's like you know, Honey Jason, you know this bum Brazilian, like you know, go out here and just seal it off. You know, just tug his leg, give a takedown, do what you got to do. But instead, you know, Bermudas. His grappling's on the decline as well. Now, Honey Jason Full back mounts him and, <laughs> and smashes his head. You know, luckily the clock saved him. But uh, I just think he shot, man.
0: Yeah, I mean, Bermudez is such a meathead, too, in addition to being shot. He was already making dumb decisions while he was in his prime. I mean, so the thing with Tay Edwards that I got to really let you guys know is that he's very undeveloped. He's very green. He's got a long way to go. He's definitely not on the level of Glenn Jury and uh, the other guy and Elkins. But, it, that doesn't really matter here because, uh, like Shaq always says, these things don't get better, these things get worse. And the fact that he's going up to 155 pounds, so, firstly, I don't think his wrestling is better than uh, than Tay Edwards. Uh, they're both D1 wrestlers, but one went to a better school. So, you gotta give Tay that advantage there. As far as chins are concerned, both of their chins are questionable, but I only saw Tay Edwards get dropped his last fight. I see Dennis Bermudez get dropped, you know, every fight. So since like, hey, ago, <laughs> man, Matt Grice and Tommy Hayden were doing the whole thing to him back in the day, man. So, and, but anyways. I Said Tay Edwards is a poor man's Woodley. Now, I know one guy is gonna take that quote and run with it and be like, He compared Tay Edwards to Woodley. Styles, Listen, man. I said, <laughs> I said poor man's Woodley. <laughs> what poor man's Woodley means is a that similar approach, but he, he's a shitty version of it. So, look, look, what I mean by that is that he'll just stand there and stare at you, but when that moment comes to land the right hand, uh, Lord, be, be Lord him. be with you because uh, that right hand is well, a fucking be- missile and he's got the D1 background, but aside from that not much volume he will kind of back himself into the fence like tyron does wait to land that big right hand but luckily bermudas doesn't have a chin so uh, i got tay edwards my knockout now next up in the bantamweight division we got Corey sanhagen he's minus 470 the comeback on mario bautista is plus 375 shaq it's an interesting fight man because this kid mario bautista is no slouch this also is the classic letdown spot i mean you're training to fight john lineker all of a sudden you're fighting you know who the fuck is this guy I don't know if he's as motivated, but the fact is he put the work in. He's bringing his skills to the table. Will he come through as a minus 470 favorite here?
1: I believe he will, man. I think San Hagen has a bright future. Definitely could be a letdown spot. Batista definitely has a bright future. Trains at the lab. Fairly explosive kid. Got some good grappling, you know, but I just think San Hagen's on a completely different level, man. I think San Hagen is, you know, top 20, 25, you know, fringe top 15. He had a good fight with coming, uh coming up there. It's unfortunate, but you know, Just knowing him as a person, man, if you hear the guy talk, man, he's so smart, he's so calm, he's so relaxed, I think he'll be just fine, I think he gets a finish, actually.
0: Yeah, I like this kid, uh, Sanhagen, he's, uh, I've definitely come around him, because at first I was like, dude, he beat Austin Arnett, relax, but... I, I gotta give this kid a lot of credit. The way he went out there and overcame adversity against uh Yuri,
1: not his hammer fist on his <laughs>
0: nose. <laughs> Let, let's not even talk about that near submission attempt. What about those shots he was taking to the dome, man? Standing and on the mat and he got his face slammed into the canvas. Uh Corey Sanhagen can take an owl swooping and come back. That's one thing I will give that kid. He's also really big for the weight class, very smart. Loves to use his footwork. Poor man's TJ. <laughs> he uh, likes to go in there and mix it up, throw a lot of volume. I'll tell you what about Mario Bautista though. This kid, he's coming to the USC with an undefeated record. And I don't like to talk about fighters' amateur careers because it's you know, there's amateur and there's pro. You only only all that matters is what he did as a pro. But I, I do want to bring up the fact that as an amateur man, This dude's been showing how tough he is for a long ass time. You go back and you watch some of these amateur fights that he had, and he showed a lot of potential there. Where I was like, man, one day this kid will be good. Fast forward to his pro career, he's been putting in work. Uh, If you're not up to par with a guy like Mario Bautista, he will run you over. But the thing is, Corey is up to par. So now we're going to see Mario Bautista get his first real test. It could be a very intriguing fight. It might be the classic letdown spot, but ultimately I will favor Sanhagen, But I think he might play it a little bit more safe, so we can get that Lineker fight. Now, next up, I believe this is the light heavyweight division. We have Alonzo Menifield, He's minus two ninety, and the comeback on Vinicius Castro Morea is plus two forty five. Shaq, it's striker versus grappler. Who are you going with?
1: Yeah, man. You know, I see this being that typical matchup where you got the you know the Brazilian jiu jitsu black belt that you know has good cardio early, but <laughs> You know, uh, we know what happens when jujitsu black belts get tired. Uh, They tend to back up and get smashed on. And then you got, (laughs) (laughs) and then you got Minifield. You know, he uh, he's been training at Fortis, and he you know he's a guy. He's that typical guy with devastating, you know, devastating power. Just like uh, his boy, his teammate Jeff Neal. And then, uh, you know, but he has had some questionable moments in the past on the mat, but he's still undefeated. You know, he's still doing his thing. You know, I feel like Vinicius is going to come out here probably with a might get a takedown in the early stages. You know, he might get a takedown. But I think uh, when Minifil gets up, you know, I think the Brazilian will get tired. And I think Minifil will take him out. I think his power is that devastating.
0: Pretty much. Like, either when he gets him down on the mat, his jiu-jitsu is just that much better that... You know, he full mounts him, takes his back, whatever it, whatever, whatever it takes, oh boy, man.
1: What getting that that instruction from Carlos Diego, though, man? <laughs> yeah, exactly. menafield is uh,
0: he's putting in work with a serious third degree black belt every single day, so I think he's getting the right look. I think he's a big favorite for a reason. I think as long as he doesn't make a, a stupid error here, as long as this isn't like a Nordine versus Claudio Silva, I, I do think that Alonzo menafield yeah. can uh, can come out here and, and and knock this guy out. So, interesting fight. Probably not going to go the distance. I got Alonzo via KO. Now, next up in the women's flyweight division, we got Ariane, the violence queen, Lipsky. And they actually changed her nickname. Now it's the queen of violence. Before it was the violence queen. Now it's the queen of violence. She's minus 220. The comeback on Joanne Calderwood is plus 180. Uh, Shaq, you think uh, JoJo 2.0 is going to get this done here, man?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's always 2.0, new gym, new boyfriend. I mean but, uh, you know, JoJo, what can I say, man, I think that, you know, she's had some, definitely some questionable moments in the past, but I'd be lying if I said she, she sucked, I mean, she is a very capable, she is skilled, she's a pro Muay Thai fighter, like, she knows what she's doing in the stand-up, you know what I'm saying, Lipsky, on the other hand, Lipski, like I said, like I've said in the past, when you get, you know, chicks that can, you know, really crush skulls and, like, really put girls down, you kind of got to ride them, man, but, uh, you know, Lipsky, I think, uh, has the better forward pressure. I think she's the more physically imposing fighter, the girl that lands the harder shots. I think Calderwood... Probably has better cardio. I feel like Calderwood, you know, has a very good, you know, lead uh, teep, you know, lead leg. You know, good point attacks. She's more experienced, at least against the better competition. But one thing I'll say about Lipsky is she's got experience fighting in big shows, man. She's been up there in uh, KSW where some of the crowds are bigger than UFC crowds. And she defended her belt down there. She's been five rounds. I mean, so she's experienced. I think that uh, this fight could possibly play out closer than the line indicates just because, you know, UFC debut, uh Lipsky, her last fight she actually did get dropped and she kinda showed a little flaw where, you know, she kinda she couldn't necessarily maintain the power in a few of the rounds. You know, she had to take a little rest. She throws all power. She presents <laughs> Yeah, she's she's those devastating power, but uh, you know, she got dropped and, you know, she would tend to square her stance a little bit, trying to go for these uppercuts, but uh I still think she'll pull out the win. I think she will land the harder shots for the three rounds. I think that she could also muscle JoJo down to the to the mat as well here and there. But, you know, she's got to watch out for that armbar. But Lipsky's got an armbar as well. We've seen JoJo tap the armbars. And, you know, another thing is JoJo struggled at times when, you know, girls rush her, you know, with big punches like Moreau's, like uh, Courtney Casey in that first round, or Kalindra. You know, Kalindra just blasted her and just muscled her down right away. So, you know, I definitely think she's the physically weaker fighter. So I got to go with Lipsky by decision, just landing the harder shots. I'm not sure she's going to get another knockout here, but I do think she gets the win.
0: Yeah, I'm really glad the UFC went ahead and signed uh, Ariane Lipsky because one thing that we always talk about is how there's not enough girls with one-punch KO power. And when they do finally come to the UFC, those are the kind of girls that are going to go out there and make waves because you remember... uh, my girl, Yan Zonan, going out there sidekicking girls in the face on the regional scene. Now she's coming to the UFC. Uh, what she 3-0? Yeah, 3 She's 3-0 in the UFC now. You know what I'm saying? So these girls that can drop girls with one punch, they come to the UFC. They make a big splash. Uh, even Cyborg. I know she just got destroyed. But,
1: was training with Cyborg, but
0: yeah. I'm just saying, uh, before Cyborg was in the UFC, she was always the girl that would drop girls with one punch, right? And then she came to the UFC, beat a couple people. So now I feel like Lipsky is the new – she's the violence queen. You know what I'm saying? So – one thing I will say about Joanne, obviously, experienced vet, been there, done that, but I'm really glad this whole, you know, the female Diaz brother narrative, I'm, I'm glad that bullshit has completely gone away. You know, when she was first coming to the UFC, everyone was saying, oh, she's the Scottish Diaz brother. She's, <laughs> she's the female Diaz brother. I, I
1: saw some shit where they were saying uh, Jason Knight was a Diaz brother too. <laughs> oh,
0: H- Hick Diaz? <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, you know, my boy Jason Knight, I can't wait to see him in the NFC. But as far as Lipsky, man amazing i love the fact that she knocks girls down with one punch i like the fact that she's very tough you saw her get dropped come back and win that fight i've seen her get her back taken come back and win that fight as well i've also seen her set up a beautiful armbar from guard so she's very well rounded and one thing about joanne calderwood you put this girl in one bad spot and uh, not right away will she quit because you watch that cynthia calvillo fight she could have tapped up she she survived two more seconds and she would have tapped but you know what she did her thing there but I've seen Joanne Calderwood do some very questionable shit. Just let me know who else gets finished by Marina Moroz in the first round. That's all I got to know. And if you guys want to tell me, go ahead and let me know. So this whole Scottish Diaz bro bullshit is out the window. I got She, she
1: broke up with her boyfriend, bro. Yeah, well, now she's with a <laughs> new boyfriend. Wait
0: till they start fighting before a fight. So I got Ariane Lipsky. Uh, I know a lot of people think it's going to be close. I actually got her via knockout here. One punch KO Ariane Lipsky. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got the main event of the prelims—the first fight headlining ESPN. We got Alexander Hernandez. He's minus one ninety. The comeback on Donald Cowboy Cerrone is plus one sixty-five. Shaq, I gotta know, man, have you been impressed with Alex Hernandez enough to warrant a near minus two to one price tag?
1: Hernandez' uh, impressive UFC career Starch, Darius, stiff out cold. That's impressive for your debut. Going into that fight, you know, if you go back and listen to the show, we were actually a little skeptical on that spot. I told you, do not parlay <laughs> Benny. I would not part. We said, do not par Benil Darius in this spot. He's been at the time Darius was coming off a devastating KO in the in the Dunham fight. You know, so I felt like that was a good you know spot so for Hernandez. Service. Good let good letdown spot for Darius. And then uh, his fight with OAM, <clears throat> he we saw him. We finally saw him go 15 minutes against a top 30 a guy. Top 30 guy, and uh, you know he did his thing, man. He got more takedowns. He was the tougher guy. He was the guy that wanted it more. Now, when I look at the skills and you know the the wrestling, the clinch, the striking in that fight, I think that Alex Hernandez has a bright future. I think he's going to be in the UFC for a very long time. But I think that he still got a lot of room to grow, man. You know, I think. Uh, I mean, if you guys watch that fight, what was going on? You know, I think he came out really hard early, just like how he came against Arush. But what happened after a while? He started getting a little over eager. OAM started catching him with a little bit of punches here and there. He was looking real stiff. Even in the grappling, you mean he was starting to shoot double legs, and they would get completely stuffed to the point where he was like, uh, like OAM was standing on top on, on top of him basically. But you know. No, I I love uh, my French-Canadians out there, but OAM French-style, man. He, he French-style. <laughs> and, that, and, and, that, and that's just the... I mean, look, when when that happened, OAM goes for a guillotine and straight to his back. The guillotine wasn't even close. Like I was just like... Mm. <laughs> like, man, you know? And OAM's got a history of doing that. We saw his last fight. He, he got dropped his last fight, but... Or, uh, you saw his Chad LaPrie yeah, fight. Or his <laughs> fight, his De- Carlos Diego fight, or even in the fights where he, you know, ankle diving, Tony third round. <laughs> Dober fight. He got t- dropped. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, you know, I think Hernandez is a, is a good fighter. I think he's got a, a long way to go to really, you know, to throw him in here. Like when we're talking about the division that he's in and the guys that, you know, they're saying that he can, you know, they were going to put him in there with Gaethje, you know, we're talking, <laughs> we're talking, we're talking, uh, uh, Ferguson, uh, uh could be Dustin, uh, Connor, uh, Kevin, Khabib. uh, Khabib, uh, you know, Vic, uh, fucking, we're talking real fucking guys that have fucking, like, have had oh, a, Kinta. have had a, I, Kinta, we're talking of guys that have had a development, guys that have gotten embarrassed on national TV, you know what I'm saying? All those guys have been, except Khabib, have been fucking embarrassed on national TV. Now, Hernandez, got a nice couple wins, but now nah, it seems like minus 190, minus 190 means you think that the guy damn near borderline is gonna come out here and for sure finish him, you know what I'm saying? I think that Cerrone's a way better technical fighter. I definitely think Cerrone's weakness is what it's always been, you know? Can you get him out early? Can you pressure him like Till? Can you, you know, stay on him and technically strike... Uh, against him like Masvidal and I don't think Hernandez is capable of, capable of that to be honest I think he's got some good wrestling but what are you gonna do Out wrestle Cerrone for three rounds <laughs> you know uh I don't, I don't think so man and I mean he's got some jiu-jitsu he's got some good jiu-jitsu but uh he definitely had a couple nice back takes against OAM but I just don't see that flowing against uh Cerrone man I just think Cerrone's on a completely different level we're talking about a guy let me just read the string of opponents that he's been fighting lately we're talking uh Dosanio said like wait uh, then goes to Alex Cowboy at seventy. Rick Story at one seventy. Uh, Matt Brown. Matt Brown at one seventy. Masvidal one seventy. Uh, Robbie Lawler. Uh, Leon Edwards. Till. Till. Like we're talking a fucking gauntlet, bro. Like, like though, and that's at one seventy, bro. Now we're coming down. Now he's losing fifteen extra pounds against a kid with two fights. Where the second fight, like I said, he's good, but he's a there's no guarantee in my opinion that, you know, for example, that Hernandez is really top fifteen. Who's number fifteen at lightweight? Uh Trinaldo, I'm assuming, some something like that Gregor Gillespie. Gregor Gillespie, like I think Hernandez has a bright future, but I don't think he's ready for the spot. I think that uh He's putting a lot of pressure on himself, man. The things that he's saying, you know, he I mean, uses a lot of big words. <laughs> I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the kid took a couple extra English courses in college. Like, you know, the, you know, you know, a couple big words, bro. Like, you know, congrats. I think he's got I think he's got great potential. But like, what I saw in that OAM fight, some of that shit would not fly against Cerrone, in my opinion. I think, you know, the line. I think Cerrone should actually be favored you know I think that Cerrone's the guy that's you know even though he's come he's got some losses but I think that he's the more proven guy the guy that you've seen him go out there and take out guys you know when you see him like those names those losses that I was saying but then you see him when he takes the slight step down in competition like Yancey and Perry and how he completely blows them out the water I think that's gonna be the similar case here
0: you know we can mention how when he takes a step down you know he blows these guys out the water but what about uh when he beats the shit out of Eddie Alvarez when he finishes Edson Barboza in the first round finishes Alex Cowboy in the first round so we're talking about legit guys like to finish Edson Barboza to destroy Eddie Alvarez like these are guys that are way better than Alex Hernandez and I respect Hernandez a lot go back and listen to the episode of Half the Battle where we broke down the Benny versus uh, Alex Hernandez fight I fucking straight up said do not do not parlay Benil Dariush in this spot because this kid Alex Hernandez uh, might bring something to the table here also go back and listen to my breakdown of alex hernandez versus oam like i picked alex hernandez there as well man like it's just that you know he's not fighting a french quitter anymore now he's fighting donald cowboy cerrone and i know all oh, the name and this and that fuck the name let's talk about the skills so to beat donald cerrone you have to run him over in that first round and i know that alex ran Benil over in that first round but what you guys got to understand about Benil in that fight was that he was coming off I mean, we talk, People like to throw around the term "life changing KO," but if you don't think that Edson Barboza versus Benil Dariush was a life changing KO, just watch
1: the next fight.
0: I mean, <laughs> first of all,
1: <laughs>
0: I mean, just watch how he performed against Dunham in the second and third round. Tell me that shit wasn't life changing, man. He would have got Dunham out of there in the first round prior to that that uh, that Edson fight. So Benil was damaged goods, as far as I'm concerned, and OAM. Was never that good to begin with. I mean, he's okay. He's top 30. With Cerrone, we're talking about a perennial top five guy. We've always said for the longest time, if you're not top five, you are not going to beat Donald Cowboy Cerrone. As far as Alex's skills are concerned. So, we've seen him twice in the UFC. One time, lasted under a minute. Hey, went out there, destroyed Benil Dariush. Now, even though I think that was damaged goods, Benil hey that's what he looked like in his debut he still went out there did it finished him in the first round so my question was okay well what happens if he goes uh the full 15 minute distance i want to know what that looks like can he keep that same pace for all three turns out he can't <laughs> turns out he can't turns out by the second round when he's shooting for takedowns he goes to his back it was like dude he actually kind of looks like he can make 45 as well he's kind of he's kind of small but uh he's definitely he's definitely stocky so Listen, if he comes out here and runs Cowboy over, much respect. Hey, maybe you are the new wave. I think he's the new wave anyways. You know, he's he's a bright prospect. I like how he talks. He's really smart. He took a like you say he took an extra class of English in, in college, you know what I'm saying? Like, he knows he, a could extra literature. He knows a couple big words. He said uh what do you say? Like, <laughs>
1: manifesting.
0: No, but there was one. It starts with a J. Like, he called, he said something about geriatrics. I'm like, bro, I don't even know what the fuck you're talking about, but just keep doing your thing, man. And look, back to this matchup. Do we really think that he's just going to come out here and push Cowboy up against the fence and take him out for 15 straight minutes at will? I mean, the last time I saw someone grind out <laughs> Cowboy was probably Benson Henderson in the WEC in the second fight they had. Uh, And that was a back-and-forth fight. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people thought Cowboy might have won. I personally scored it for Benson. But that's really the last time I've seen someone go out there and beat Cowboy via wrestling. Unless I'm forgetting something. Maybe you guys know something I don't know. Maybe there's another fight I'm forgetting in between there. But if you guys want to let me know the last time someone grinded out Cowboy... Please let me know. Oh, maybe. Yeah, that first time with Dos Anos. There we go. There it is. There it is. First time with Dos Anos. So he's only been grinding out two times against former UFC and WEC lightweight champion Benson Henderson. And, And former UFC champion Rafael Dos Anos. So, hey, hey, he got out wrestled by two former champs. So, you know, you guys do have that on me. But is this kid. This kid's barely been in the UFC six months. Not saying he can't do it. I'm just not sold yet. The way you guys are making it seem like this kid's a future world champion. And, uh, Look, he. I know. I don't want to say he barely got past OEM because I, I had it thirty twenty seven. But like, you would think I, Gilbert Durinho made a bigger statement against OAM than uh, than Alex did. Carlos Diego made a way bigger statement against OAM than Alex did. So, I just need to see a little bit more before I'm willing to jump on this bandwagon. So I think that if he doesn't run Cowboy over in the first couple of minutes, because we know Cowboy's a slow starter, we know people have gone out there, body kicked him, and just ran him over in the past. If that doesn't happen, I think this is going to be a sweat. I think that it's going to be an interesting fight. And I think that Donald uh, Cowboy Cerrone is a super opportunistic guy. And if he does survive that initial onslaught, I do think he actually comes back and finishes Alex Hernandez. So I'm going to go with uh, the Cowboy, uh, Donald Cowboy Cerrone, man. Uh, He's going to be pulling some Red Dead Redemption Arthur Morgan shit in here. And uh, I got him finishing Hernandez. Now, next up in the light heavyweight division, we got Glover Teixeira. He's minus 120, and the comeback on Carl Roberson is plus 100. Shaq, Carl Roberson's uh, taking this up-away class on a week short notice, taking on the perennial top-five guy and former UFC title challenger Glover Teixeira. You think he rises to the occasion in his fifth octagon appearance?
1: It's a tough fight to kind of make a read on because, you know, we got a guy who has been fighting at 85, even though he does have some fights at 205 in the past. When you just look at it, you would definitely say he's the faster guy when it comes to the stand-up department. We know Glover is on the decline, um, but one thing I'll say about Glover is, man, that fighting spirit has never changed. You know, Glover will test you no matter who you are. You know, he doesn't really move his head these days, but uh, he's a stiff these days. He's getting chinnier these days, but he's still a tough guy. He's still a, still a top, you know, six, seven guy. You know, he's, He's still seen a lot more in this sport than Roberson, and uh, Roberson's got a great great potential. Now, what's alarming in this matchup is the Cesar mouton fight, because, you know, as far as this fight, I would say that Roberson is the faster guy on the feet. I think he can counter Glover at will with his left hand, like we saw Gustafson counter Glover at will, like we saw Corey, you know, just dominate him, and uh, Roberson's not necessarily on that level as of yet. But I definitely see the stand-up going his way. But what alarms me is the Cesar fight, where Cesar body-locked him, and that's a 85-er that body-locked him. But even though Cesar has body-locked, and took it down, Hermanson, Anthony Smith, Tiago Santos, Tiago Santos, but, you know, so Cesar is, he's done, he's done a lot of shit too. So, you know, um, uh, it's a tough fight because, you know, when he did get up, he got taken back down again, and he got back up, but he got taken back down again, So and he got submitted. So, you know, it's tough. We did see Glover get on top of, uh on paper, uh, definitely a better gripper, uh and Serkinov and smashed him. So, you know, Misha couldn't get on top, but we did say going into that fight that Serkinov, you know, if you put him in a bad spot, he will, you know call for mommy and go home but uh <laughs> but uh you know it's a tough fight man I think Glover is getting chinnier man it's just hard to make a read on this weight class thing and what was Roberson I mean I know he's in the gym all the time he's best friends with Corey you know Corey just fought Glover, I'm sure he helped Corey for that fight um I'm gonna go with Roberson in an upset man but it's just tough to say man because it's a week notice up away class, so we know he didn't necessarily have a full camp. You know, he's, I wasn't going to say come in generally hever, heavier. The Marshman fight, he looked real light, was picking Marshman up off his feet, looked great. You know, uh, went through adversity in that fight as well with his leg. It's tough to say, but I'm going to go with Roberson. I think that Glover is just going to wobble slightly a little bit too much. You know, I think it could go three rounds. I could also see Roberson knocking him out, or I could see Glover, you know, possibly getting on top and maybe, you know, it just being too much for Roberson. But I'm going to go with Roberson in an upset. I I actually think, you know, they could probably line it a little wider just considering accomplishments, man. Glover's top five his whole fucking career. But, you know, like, like Bermudez, I guess, for example, when you're shot, you're shot.
0: Yeah, I think that Glover's got more in the tank than Bermuda's just because, you know, he's not getting dropped every fight. He's still going out there and winning some fights. So, you know what I'm saying? I I do respect uh, Glover a lot. Um, As far as Carl Roberson's concerned, I don't think he's going to come in here out of shape because he did Corey Anderson's entire camp for Latifi with him. So he's been grinding hard. I know that for a fact. And as far as him fighting a 205, it's not something he's never done before. Because if you go back and watch his contender series fight against Ryan Spann, I know it lasted 15 seconds, but hey, he's still gone out there at 205 pounds and knock guys out. Guys that are in the UFC right now, guys that you know, Ryan Spans about to go fight Jimmy Cruz. So yeah, he's knocked out 205ers in the UFC right now, and prior to that fight, he was fighting at 205. So this ain't like Carl Roberson's 205 debut or anything like that. It's his debut against a fucking top 10 guy, perennial top five guy for sure. As far as Glover's concerned, you know he's always been kind of slow, but man, he he was he's tough. Bring some serious power in his hands. He can box. Uh, second degree black belt in jujitsu, man. Like he'll take you down with that nice single leg. He'll get on top. He'll pass. He'll choke guys out. So, as far as the Cesar Mutanchi fight, because I know that's what we got to bring up. To me, it wasn't the biggest of deals. It wasn't like, oh man, this guy sucks on the mat. I just kind of viewed it as a guy who literally has the best blast double. At 185 pounds, a guy who literally takes down everyone that he fights pretty much, except, you know, the guys that knocked him out in 30 seconds back in the day. Aside from those guys, Cesar Moutonis takes everyone down, man. I mean, choked out my head in the first round, took down Jack Hermanson, took Anthony Smith, fucking uh, Carl Roberson. He's fucking taken down. He even took down Ian Heinish last fight. So, man, Cesar takes everyone down. And Roberson got up from the first one. And then from the second one, it looked like he was actually looking for an escape uh, from bottom. But Cesar actually set him up really nicely. Cesar baited him uh, for that escape, made him think that the opening was there, and then just caught him with that arm triangle. It was absolutely beautiful. Robson's a tough guy. He didn't tap. He went right to sleep. And let me tell you how, how tough he is because I, don't, I wouldn't think any less of him if he tapped. I mean, you got Cesar Mutanchi on top of you, third-degree black belt. Hey, just go ahead and tap right away. The fact that he didn't tap And you know for a fact it probably felt like his face was about to explode because, I mean, an arm triangle from a third-degree black belt. Dude, that must have been insane pressure. But he also probably went to sleep two seconds later. But the fact that he didn't tap, this kid's tough. And I know he's tough too because his very next fight against Marshman, he suffers a foot injury in the first round and goes out there. He's blast doubling him in the second round. He's picking him apart at will. You know, Marshman's a guy who's always, you know, He's got a puncher's chance. He's a guy that'll go out there and throw big bombs. Hey, if you get caught by Marshman, watch out. Well, Marshman didn't have shit for Roberson standing, and Roberson was injured. Roberson couldn't move as well as he normally does. So I'm very impressed with this kid. Also, his fight with Darren Stewart. People question Roberson's uh, jiu-jitsu. How nice was that back take? How nice was that rear naked choke? So I don't think it's... He's some kind of novice on the ground like people are making it out to see him because they want to they wanna describe Roberson. Oh, he's a former glory kickboxer, therefore he has no ground game. And that's just not the case. He does have a ground game. You saw him defend the takedown against Span and knock him out. You saw him take Stewart's back and choke him out. You saw him get up from the first takedown against Mutanchi. He even had the proper defense against the arm triangle. It's just that uh, Mutanchi, the way Mutanchi baited him and set him up, hey, that's some third-degree black belt shit. And then obviously the Marchman fight, you saw him hit the mat as well. So I don't think his ground game is an issue. It's just about... Are there levels to this shit when it, when it hits the map? Because with Glover, second-degree second, <laughs> second degree black belt, but he's not as athletic as Mutanchi. He's not as young. He's about to turn 40 his next birthday. Between you and me, he's about to turn 50 because we all remember, at least you and I remember, that the reason Glover didn't get to the UFC earlier was because of his visa issues. So we, we know uh, he ain't really 40. We know he's 50. So, But that being said, what happens if this fight hits the map? That's the one question I want to answer. I don't know what to say. I mean, I do think that Roberson can stuff takedowns. I do think that he can actually probably get back up, but it's not going to surprise me if uh, Glover passes that guard. Glover is that damn good. But the Misha Serkunov fight, when Misha Serkunov gets in one bad spot, he completely gives up. So I I don't really put any stock into that. I don't think Glover, I don't think Roberson's going to get pounded out like that. If anything, I think it might be something, you know, sneaky and second degree black belt like. But that being said, I think Roberson's got a massive speed advantage, standing, athleticism, youth. I think he's gonna land some hard counters on Glover. I don't know about knock him out, but I I think uh, I think Roberson is a live dog here. Maybe would like a, a better line on him just because of the name Glover. You know, make make Glover minus one fifty here. But I'll go with Roberson here via sneaky upset. Now next up in the flyweight division. We got Paige Van Zandt, she's minus 155, and the comeback on Rachel Ostevich is plus 135. Now, uh, Shaq, I got to know, man, you going with Paige Van Zandt to get this uh, win uh, You know, after a year layoff, or are you going with Ostevich to make her UFC record one win, or excuse me, her overall record one win better than 500?
1: Yeah, it's another interesting fight, Van Zandt. That hype train has definitely been derailed. Uh, the, reality been well <laughs> the reality has finally come to light. Been um, a while since I heard about that hype train. The reality has finally come to light. And Ostovich as as far as you know, her fighting career, she's had some very questionable... Not questionable, I mean, she's been fighting 125 or so. She's been fighting Andrea Lee's and uh, De La Rosas, the... She lost to Barb Honchak. She uh, lost to a girl making her pro debut and in evicted by knockout. So you know, I definitely question Rachel Ostevich's toughness right off the bat. You know, I think she's a pretty girl that you know decided to take up fighting as a hobby, and it turned into. I mean, she's hot as shit. Of course, she's gonna they're gonna push her up. You know, um, but
0: yeah, I, tell me anyone else with a four and four record in <laughs> this kind of push. Well,
1: the thing is, and yeah, yeah, exactly the, getting the type That's of all push. I yeah, say. exactly. I mean, she's hot as shit. So, but. I don't think she's a very tough a tough girl. I think that Paige uh, is by far tougher. I mean, we've seen Paige bloodied up in a lot of her fights and uh, still keep fighting, man. Paige will never give up in that cage. That's one thing I will say. The thing with Paige Ranzan is they've been waiting for all these improvements, but they never really seem to happen. Our last fight, she improved in her boxing. Definitely a little better. She definitely abandoned that uh, ballerina shit she was doing. <laughs> the, that was embarrassing. The, uh, I mean, the Watterson fight was embarrassing me. Even the Rowling's fight was embarrassing. The the way she got dominated against Rose, you don't really see chicks getting dominated in that weight class like that. Um, but, you know, her last fight, her hands looked a lot better. Uh, she got on Ro- on top of Rose Clark once. Uh, she showed her toughness again by not tapping to that armbar, but, you know, just as far as how I see Paige, like, I think she already is uh, a finished product, but if she were going to make improvements, I still don't think she's going to be really dangerous, I still think she's going to be, you know, physically, not weak, but just, I mean, you see how easy those girls get the takedowns against her, man, they just dump her, at, like, it's nothing, you know, she's not very strong, she's not very physically strong, I, I, I do think Osevich was a little more shorter eye-level-wise, but, thickness I do think Ostevich is the stronger person Ostevich she likes uh pretty much her strength is to shoot a low single and get on top and try to you know get this arm bar that's what I've noticed in her fights her chin is very suspect I mean if you watch her all and her Victor fight she's you know running one in her way looking for a way out getting dropped I mean uh, the Christine Ferreira fight the fight that she got knocked out in she was up two rounds got knocked out stiff uh but, uh, you know, I just think Ostevich has very questionable toughness, man. I think, Like I said, I think she's just a pretty girl that took this up. And, you know, she's hot. They're going to push her. She's in the spot that she's in. So congrats to her. The Wonder Woman gimmick. Yeah. So, you know, I think that Paige Van Zandt will win this fight just on pure toughness and tenacity. And when the when the lights are on that stage, I think that Paige Van Zandt is willing to do more so when the fight, especially when the punches start flying, I think Osevich is, like I said, a questionable. is not saying that Paige has power. I just think that, I mean, in all her fights, even against Ariel Beck, the bum off... Uh the, the her, her season of tough. You know what I'm saying. That that fight went to split decision. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> like when they, when that chick that chick takes knees against like everyone. You know what I'm saying. Like so like the fact that and and that girl dropped Ostevich and had Ostevich you know looking for ways. A out, soccer so. mom dropped yeah, Ostevich. The, yeah. So like like I said, I question Ostevich's toughness. I, I think it's a great story and all, but you know I I, I definitely uh, if I just wish uh, you know the line wasn't so. I would not say necessarily it's inflated. But you know, you just but, don't want to lay chalk on PvZ. PvC is just not very I, I, want, I don't want to say she's harmless, but she kind of is harmless, you know? I just think that she, she has to have a, a complete, you know, dud in front of her to really inflict damage. Like uh Chambers, so what about this four and four, girl,
0: that she's fighting.
1: Well, physically like when I say a dud, I mean Alex Chambers or Beck. a uh Beck Rawlings where she can land one of those you Know bullshit head kicks, but uh, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked, I wouldn't be shocked with anything in this fight, man. But typically, you know, in this uh fly weight division, you kind of want the lines to be a little closer if you want to move in because you know, when you got one side there, it's in that 60 70, 70 range, man, you kind of want to just take the dog. So, but personally, I do, I don't want to say Asavage isn't live, but personally, just can't bet on her, man. I just don't think she's a very tough person. But so, I got PVC,
0: yeah, I mean. It's interesting because Ostovich, she's four and four. I'd say that as far as skills are concerned, sorry, as far as skills are concerned, that she's definitely on the lower end of the totem pole in that division. I, I don't think that her trajectory is very high at all. But you know, I respect her uh, toughness. Just the fact that she's showing up to this fight, you know, much respect to her. But uh, as far as his matchups concern, I did think that Paige Van Zandt was looking embarrassingly bad in the Beck Rawlings fight. And the one, uh, what was the other fight? And the Watterson fight. She looked terrible in both those fights. Her stand-up, just the way she was moving. It was like fucking Dancing with the Stars, man. It was like, get this shit off my goddamn TV. But... She came back against Jessica Rose Clark, and even though she lost that fight, I definitely felt like she made improvements in her technique, and she's always had that toughness. I mean, go back and watch that Rose Namajunas fight. Even go back and watch that Felice Herrick fight. See, at least we, we can sit here and we can call Paige VanZant a joke as much as we want, but at least she went out there, beat a top 10 fighter in that division or in the division below uh, in Felice Herrick. So, you know, m- much respect to her for doing that. That's something Ostovich cannot claim. And also, Ostevich, uh, I think she's been finished, like, a four or five times right so you know including tough right so I, I just think that you put her in a bad spot she's gonna tap that mat you kick her body she's gonna take a knee so I don't really think that uh Ostevich can go three hard rounds with uh Paige Van Zandt. so I think Paige Van Zandt's gonna choke her out knock her out or win the decision I got Paige Van Zandt for the victory now next up in the flyweight division we got Joseph Benavides. He's minus 230, and the comeback on Dustin Ortiz is plus 190. Shaq, you remember the first time they fought. Unbelievable fight. I mean, it was one-sided, but the heart that Dustin Ortiz showed was what made Stay it. Stay chopped. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was what made it such a great fight. So I got to know, in the rematch, do you think Dustin's made the proper adjustments to come out here and defeat
1: Joseph Benavides? I'll say this. Ortiz has definitely gotten better since the uh, first fight he's got wins over Pantoja and Mateus Tubert two Brazils, uh besides dice to get for amiga you know but yeah. those are the other two best flyweights, i guess you could say and you know ortiz one thing i'll say about ortiz is he's not the fastest guy he's not the strongest guy his grappling is very back and forth he'll get his back taken he'll turn in the guard he's one of the best turn inners in the business <laughs> he will still rounds that way like a motherfucker, but one thing I'll say about Ortiz is his mental game is fucking top-notch, you know, Ortiz will never break mentally, he'll never, you know, look for ways out, he's a tough guy, Benavidez, I mean, the guy's only lost, what, to three people, and, you know, the Sergio one, I'm just gonna attribute it to the guy just probably just was rusty, man, he's two years off, over two years off, two and a half years off, and I mean, uh, his offense in comparison to in the Perez fight, in the Sergio fight, I felt like his offense against Sergio was just not very dangerous and his offense against Perez. But, you know, Sergio and Perez are completely two different levels. It's going to be interesting to see because Ortiz is more on uh, Sergio's level, those guys with those exper- that experience level. But ultimately, I think uh, Ortiz could possibly, with his toughness, make this a little closer. I I still don't think Benavidez is the same guy he once was, but Benavidez just has a way of, you know, scraping out fights like this, you know, getting his job done at the end of the day. So I think Benavidez will scrape out of the city.
0: It's going to be really good. I uh, hope you guys went back and checked out their first fight because it was really good, really bloody, action-packed. It was a long time ago, but It'll kind of give you a baseline of what this fight's going to go like. It's going to be, you know, a little bit better, a little bit more advanced. They're further along in their careers and all that. And my boy, uh, (laughs) my boy Stay Chop and Dustin Ortiz made some big improvements, man. That fight against uh, Mateus Nicolau. I had Nicolau in that spot. And, uh, you know, I can sit here and act like he was getting owned until he landed that head kick. You know, he kind of was. But, hey, the fact that he's able to go out there, take that ass whooping up front, come back, land the fight, ending blow... That speaks volumes to me, man, because you go back and you watch his fight against Brandon Moreno, and it was actually kind of the roles reversed. It was uh, Dustin Ortiz that was putting it on Brandon Moreno, and then Brandon Moreno went out there and landed the head kick and put Ortiz down. So the fact that Ortiz was able to have one of those performances, finally get over that hump, Dang. beat that top prospect, what, what action just came
1: in? Georgia.
0: Oh, man, so, someone has someone laid a, a huge bet on Joanne Calderwood as we're recording this. But anyways... You watch that fight with Moreno, and then you watch that fight with Nicola and uh, Dustin Ortiz, he definitely turned the corner, man. He's And also the fight with uh, Pantoja, man. The fact that he's getting those kind of wins right now when they were trying to set him up to get those prospects wins, that shows that Dustin Ortiz is still a guy you need to take seriously. He's still a guy that's going to go out there and give you a competitive fight. He's going to give you an honest knockout. He's not just going to take a you're not just going to take a knee for anyone. But Joseph Benavides also showed that, hey, just because I came out that ACL surgery, the layoff, the Sergio Pettis fight, just because I look like shit there, doesn't mean I'm done, man. He came back against Alex Perez, was actually an underdog in that spot, and knocked him out in the first round twice very very impressive as far as this fight's concerned i see it going into a decision as well maybe not 30 27 this time maybe maybe 29 28 this time but ultimately i do think joseph benavidez is just slightly better than dustin ortiz and for that reason i think he will win this fight but i don't blame anyone for taking a small shot on ortiz i mean the guy he will fight for your money it's just a matter of is he good enough to get over this hump that's what i cannot uh, wait to see Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got Gregor, the gift Gillespie. He's minus 550, and the comeback on Yancey Medeiros is plus 425. Shaq, uh, man, I know first L time is always around the corner, so I got to know. You think the guy that knocked out Alex Cowboy can go out here and hand Gregor Gillespie his first uh, defeat?
1: Firstly, I I will say after going through this fight one more time, the line could be a little closer just because uh, Gregor on the feet Tends to not move his head. I mean, the uh, the Jason Gonzalez fight, when you saw him against another long, you know, rangy guy with long punches, I mean, you saw there was a few sketchy moments in that fight. Um, but, you know, Gregor is one of those guys where, you know, he's a national champion wrestler, you know. We know what type of drive you have to have to accomplish something like that. So at the end of the day, in his head, I can always grab a single and I'll be good, you know. So... <laughs> uh that could be that, the best pound for pound fisher a, been on the roster a, that's why i'm assuming why he's minus 550 just because he's got that wrestling to fall back on at the end of the day but at the same time we have seen yancey been able to snap up some you know chokes so you still got to be careful with yancey it's interesting yancey is dropping to 55 for the first time since uh john McDessie, maybe or yeah, yeah. or no trinaldo yeah, it's Trinaldo. Yeah, for the first time since Trinaldo. He's 198. For, you would say yeah.
0: 198.
1: He's dropping to 55 for the first time. And he, he left 55 because, you know, the Dustin fight, because of the Trinaldo fight. So now he's going back down. He thinks that's where he's going to have the uh, success at. But, uh, man, I could see a lot of things happening. I could see Gregor actually beating him on the feet in the early rounds. We have seen Yancy come out a little lackadaisical at times. He is very chinny. We know that Alex Cowboy had some... Uh, you know, permanent effects to him. You know, his chin's never going to be the same no matter what. I mean, the palacious shots he was taking in that fight, yeah, in the Tornado fight. He's Hawaiian, though, man. Those Hawaiians. But he did get knocked out by Cerrone. Those Hawaiians are very hard to put out. I actually do see this one probably going through rounds just because Yancey, he's a fish, man. Like, to really get him out of there, man, you're really going to have to to put the nail in the coffin.
0: Who, who did Connor say he was going to gut like a fish?
1: Uh diaz right
0: (laughs) put him like a fish
1: (laughs) but uh gregor's got to be careful shooting in like let's say for example gregor takes him down right away but let's say he uses a lot of energy trying to control him or you know like how grapplers tend to do sometimes he is still that first cell still is coming up he could make a rookie mistake but let's say Yancey can get back up to the feet, man. And, you know, Yancey, when Yancy gets back up to the feet, the Hawaiian starts coming out, man. He starts letting off some of those long punches. And then that's when he starts grabbing. So, and that's where Gonzalez was capping. That's the most danger I've seen Gregor in. You what know? about Glico Franta with that knee? Yeah, exactly, man. So the guy's got very questionable skills out in space. You know, he's very aggressive with the wrestling. If he gets on the leg, you're pretty much fucked. But, you know, you better be careful with Yancey shooting in some of those takedowns because he's got long arms. Damn. All right back to 85 but uh i think uh i think that gregor will ultimately pull it out but i actually think it could uh, could be a little sketch man i think the fight could actually you know be a couple uh gregors <laughs> don't gregor grab his leg, <laughs> grab his leg.
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i could see that as well firstly I got to say the same shit I say every single time I break down a Gregor Gillespie fight. He doesn't just have fucking great wrestling. He wrestled with Jordan Burroughs in the finals. Do you understand what caliber that is? He won
1: the national title as a freshman. He's a grade ahead of Burroughs. So when Burroughs came, that was shut down. But before Burroughs was in college, Gregor won the national title as a freshman. <laughs>
0: Just, I mean, that what you just said mixed in with the fact that he competed against Jordan Burroughs in the finals. I mean, that's all I got to say about this guy's wrestling credentials about not just his wrestling. What about what kind of a gamer he is? Because you saw that fight against Glaco Franca. That knee Glaco landed. Lesser men would have, uh, my boy Gregor can eat these shots no problem. As far as this matchup's is concerned, look, I think Gregor is going to come out here and beat Yancey's ass. The only issue is that Yancey is Hawaiian. When you beat a Hawaiian's ass... you
1: might get tired. You
0: <laughs> might get tired because they're fish. You better pray <laughs> he goes that you finish this guy because if you do not finish this guy and you expend a lot of energy oh, man, beating of on uh, Yancey Medeiros, <laughs> when oh, you stand sports. up and you're huffing and puffing, you shoot for that takedown, he snatches that neck in that third round, uh, shit could get real sketchy. I mean, you remember the beating Trinaldo put on him and then what? out of nowhere... Yancey drops Ronaldo in like the second or third round. It's like, dude, wow. Like,
1: the Alex Scott Boy fight.
0: Like, I mean, he just has a way of taking that ass whooping and then giving out damage of his own. So maybe that happens. Maybe not. Look, I think Gregor's going to beat his ass regardless. It's just about Gregor not fucking up along the way and getting caught with something. Because some money just came in on
1: Yancey.
0: <laughs> <laughs> As we're speaking, money comes in <laughs> on Yancey. <huh? laughs> now Gregor's under 5 to 1. But look, it's going to be an interesting fight. It's going to be a beatdown. It's just about. In those little moments, can Yancey do enough to finish Gregor? That's what it comes down to in my eyes. But shout out to my boy Gregor for cashing that easy money against uh, Andrew Holbrook. Minus 210 for a 20-second KO. So, you know, he's got a soft spot. But as far as this fight's concerned, man, like I said, it's going to be a beatdown. It's just about if Yancey can capitalize on one little mistake or not. If he can, he's going to lose. If he can, then holy shit, it'll be a crazy upset. I got Gregor Gillespie. Co-main event of the evening. Greg Hardy's minus five hundred, and the comeback on Alan Crowder is plus four hundred. Shaq, I see a red arrow next to Alan Crowder's name. I see money's been coming in on Alan Crowder. If you bet Alan Crowder, please, uh, please show yourself. Please reveal yourself to the public. Hey, you
1: can't say that until the fight's over. But uh, hey, let <laughs> a, hey, if you cash on Alan Crowder, show us that ticket. Yeah, but uh, I mean we know what's going on here Alan Crowder is a sacrificial lamb (laughs) being brought on a silver platter to be fed to Greg Hardy Uh, Greg Hardy I wouldn't even say that he is a, like I heard I I was actually kind of pissed that Ariel said this on ESPN, I saw it uh, a couple days ago he was on ESPN saying that Greg Hardy doesn't deserve to be here he uh, won both his contenders but the thing is Greg Hardy kind of does deserve to be here, firstly heavyweights we know They'll bring in heavyweights. They need heavyweights. You know, they need big guys. There's not too many of them. But we're talking about Greg Hardy, who was what six and zero as an amateur. All yeah. okay He had six amateur fights, so it ain't like he just came in off the NFL and straight to pro. Like he actually like was developed in some sense at a very good gym at ATT. Where the fuck is Alan Crowder training? Somewhere in you know North Carolina? Somewhere? Just put it this way. You know we're familiar with Alan Crowder around these uh, around these parks. I'm sure he's fun in some of these uh, local circles here. But look, the guy, the guy. If you saw his contender series fight, you heard how Dana signed him. He said we, we have- need heavyweights. <laughs> <laughs> That's the reason he said we need heavyweights. It ain't like Crowder was good or anything. I was just like, bro, we need heavyweights. They'll sign any heavyweight. So fucking, I think. Firstly, I think Alan Carter's in deep shit. I think he's terrified. I think that Greg Hardy is a serious athlete. And you know, when a lot of these football players come into the UFC, they're like these guys that were, you know, uh, like a shop, for example, a practice squad player, or a uh, Anders, you know, a practice squad, or a. Uh, was another NFL player. You know, they weren't ne- necessarily, like, the highest, you know, football players. But Greg Hardy was a Pro Bowl-level NFL player. You know, he made a Pro Bowl once in his career. That means he was among the best, like, you know. It's an all-star game exactly, of football. Exactly. It's a fucking all-star game of football. So, you know, Greg Hardy was a serious football player. He's seriously, he's got a mean streak. He's aggressive. And I think he's got some nice, you know, I wouldn't say he's got the best footwork, but I do like the way he slides back and can time that right hand. I think he's being developed the right way. I don't think that I don't think it's a step up at all. I think Alan Crowder, although he has, I will say, in comparison to Greg Hardy's past opponents, he I guess is the first real fighter that Greg Hardy's fighting, just because Alan did earn his way here. He did beat, you know, he did fight Blades on the local scene. You know, he has paid his dues. But I think that Greg Hardy is you actually got smashed by Blades. On the local <laughs> <side>. <laughs> you know, but I I think that when, you know, uh, I think just mentally, I do think he's a little worried. Uh, of course, you know, I just think Greg Hardy's a superior athlete, the faster, more powerful guy. And I think he's a little slept on. I think people are under the impression that this guy, like, you know, really doesn't know what MMA is. I think he knows what he's doing, man. I think he's going to get a first-round KO.
0: Yeah, dude, he's going to smash Alan Crowder. You know, what's funny is you go back and you watch Alan Crowder's fight on uh, Tuesday Night Contender. You listen to it with Snoop Dogg's audio. And, uh, you know, let's just put it this Montel
1: way. can't come to the barbecue, man.
0: <laughs> When Snoop Dogg was talking about uh, – alan crowder's opponent he was like let's just put it this way uh this guy would not get invited to the gang fight you know what i'm saying so i mean that's all i gotta say i mean alan crowder yeah if you look at his record oh nine and three he's got way more experience so what no offense or anything, I'm sure he, you know he's a heavyweight whoop my ass. But the bottom line is he's being brought in here for one reason and one reason only, and it's not to uh, get him a win. It's to get Greg Hardy a win. So Greg Hardy's gonna come out here. One thing I'll say about Greg Hardy, uh, not only does he have devastating knockout power, you actually hear the dude talk. Uh, Smart as
1: fuck.
0: I'm like, whoa, like he, he actually <laughs> 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 like the dude is actually strategizing. He's working with his coaches. He's a student of the game. He's taking it way- He's taking it super seriously. So I was actually super. Like, they impressed.
1: think he's just like some football. Player,
0: like, just Dude, like, be, be, before I heard him do an interview, I just thought, oh, he's just some meathead with a couple knockouts, whatever. Oh, it's it's Greg Hardy, you know the thing everyone said. But so when I actually went there and uh, heard him talk, I was like, wow, he's actually like intelligent and obviously a freak athlete too. uh Alan Crowder's fucked. Let's just leave it at that. First round knockout for Greg Hardy. Main event of the evening. For the flyweight championship, we got T.J. Dillashaw. He's minus 210. The comeback on Henry Cejudo is plus 175. Shaq, uh, both these guys are coming off very impressive title-winning efforts. I mean, you saw T.J. Dillashaw defend his title against uh, Cody Garbrandt, knocked him out for the second time. And you saw Henry Cejudo go out there as about a plus plus four or 500 dog. And uh, he fucking beat Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson and uh, got him out the UFC. So, uh what do you think, man? The main event. Holy shit. The great fight,
1: champ versus champ. Who you got? It's funny. I've been seeing a lot of comments saying that, too. I really didn't win that fight. But,
0: uh, oh, really? You know. <laughs> he, he didn't get his armrest? Yeah,
1: but, uh, you know, it's a great fight, man. I, I'm, I'll honestly go out here and say that I have tons of respect for both of these guys, man. You know, when I look at Dillashaw, Shaw, I see a guy that I will say is probably one of the most driven, you know, self driven people that I've ever seen come across the game, man. This guy is fucking you know, laser focus, he really wants this shit, man, you know, I would say that T.J. I will say he's the greatest weight of all time, even though he lost to Cruz, even though he has to get that win back if he truly wants to say, you know, but I don't know if he ever will get that win back, but I think that T.J. is a guy that wins, I would actually say T.J., I want to say he breaks these guys before he gets in there with them, but I think that he, like, has a way of...
0: Making you think. Why is this guy so thi- confident? Yeah,
1: why, like He's so cocky to the point where, like, he fr- he frustrates guys, like, because they don't understand why he's so cocky and why he's so confident, like, as if he's not going to lose. But TJ does that because he works hard, he trains hard. And, I mean, he's a two-time champ. He's a great fighter. He's the greatest man of all time. And Cejudo, you know, Cejudo's a guy where, you know, in his lead-up to beating Demetrius Johnson, we've... You know, we always known he's, he's an Olympic gold medalist. At one point he was the greatest wrestler in the world you know he didn't even go to college for wrestling he went straight from high school to the olympics you know so that shows you how good he is most of most of these guys you see like you know Cormier had to go to college or uh, you know Askren I mean, probably went to college right Askren went to college he lost to Johnny Hendrix you know so yeah. uh, but uh all like that just shows you what what type of athlete Henry is the type of stage that he's been on, you know that first. And he's and, and another thing about Henry is just like TJ, they both pay their dues, man. You know TJ's been embarrassed. He had that lost uh, Dodson when he got knocked out on tough. He came back from that. Then the Asuncio fight that he lost, where you know it was very close in Brazil. And then he gathered himself back up after the Cruz fight and got his belt back. So I got a tremendous amount of respect for him. So to get your to get handled the way he did against DJ the first time, where he got absolutely starched. And then come back. A lot of guys mentally would have never been able to bounce back from that. When a guy does that to you like that, just like how TJ did that to Hennon and you saw how broken Henry is. Cody Garbrandt. Cody Garbrandt. You know, mentally, guys generally don't come back from that. So that shows you what type of person Henry is. You know, I feel like as far as the matchup is concerned, it's interesting to see TJ. TJ at minus two ten would indicate that he damn near has almost a seventy percent chance of winning this fight. That means that he. Now, I say. The reason why I bring that up is because generally the fights that TJ's been in lately, you know, they've been closely lined fights. You know, Cody Garbrandt, he was minus 140 the first time he was the underdog. So, Hudo, I think a lot of people are just looking at the accomplishments. You know, TJ's, I'm going to lie, man, he's a complete package, man. He knows how to talk, somewhat talk trash, you know. He's, he's gotten better. He's gotten better <laughs> at it, man. He knows how to play these little games with these guys, man. But, uh, you know, he's a complete package, man. So, I, I get why, you know, he's lined two to one. I mean, from a from a, just an outside looking in perspective. Now, when I look at the styles and how they fight, we got to mention that TJ is dropping from fucking weight to 25. Now, I know TJ is a dedicated athlete. The guy probably doesn't cheat on his diet at all. The guy runs his miles. He's a champion, two-time champion. But, uh, you know, he's never, you know, generally, you know, not, I don't want to say take a tune-up fight, but you know, generally you kind of want to see, like, or have a test cut down to the weight class to see, like, how do I perform, like, what adjustments do I need to make, you know, for my title fight at 125, you know, generally, uh, for example, I know Kenny Florian wasn't a champion, but at least he had, yeah, a tune- yeah, he had a tune-up fight before he got the title fight, because that was a serious weight drop. Um, but uh, TJ is confident that he doesn't need it, you know. As far as the Styles matchup, I think Suhudo is slightly the faster guy. I think he's actually, he's faster than TJ. I think that he's more short, compact. I think he can beat TJ to the punch. I think out in space, Henry really hasn't been leaving his opponents in space. On his come up, he kind of was, you know, he was still a little green, still developing like in the Formiga Files kind of slow, but, you know, the type of style that Formiga fights, Formiga's a very safe, you know, very inactive, you know, type of fighter. Um, in the uh, Benavitas fight, I've thought that Benevides fought very well moving backwards, you know, I feel like TJ's really not capable of that, I think TJ's more of a guy that he likes to walk guys down, he likes to be aggressive, he likes to You know, really, you know, put it on, guys. Put on a show. He likes to pump up the crowd. And, you know, as far as his last few fights have been going, been at 35, the Cody, let's talk about the Cody Garbrand fight. I got a tremendous amount of respect for Garbrand. He's a former champion. He beat Dominic Cruz. But when I look at, you know, those guys mentally, you know, uh, uh, a Lineker or a Garbrand, you know, Lineker, he just took him down. You You know what Lineker's weakness is. He can't get up from bottom. But as far as the Garbrandt fight goes, the first fight, you know, Garbrandt's clearly a step, of, a step ahead of him. Just speed. Garbrandt's probably the fastest bantamweight. Um, But, you know, that speed, that Garbrandt that operates at 35, that was, you know, clearly a step ahead of TJ. That's the normal operating speed at flyweight, and that's for everyone. So I know those guys that Henry's been fighting that might not necessarily be as good as TJ, but you got to understand the speed that these guys operate, they're way lighter. And there's not as much breaks at 35. At thirty, uh, at 35, you know, TJ gets a little time to, you know, flow and switch his stances and be pretty and be cute and, you know, touch guys up. As where flyweight, it seems like it's just more constant action. You know, they're getting to the bit. It's a torrid pace at flyweight, man. Those guys push hard at flyweight. And I think TJ's like, incredibly conditioned athlete, but I've seen him get tired at 35s before, and I've seen Henry get tired at 25s as well, but TJ's coming down to his weight class. Henry's not going up to his. So, you know, I feel like TJ's actually risking a lot more dropping, going down to his weight class. I think that TJ might be a little better out in space, but like I said, these guys, the the way the bodies are built at 35, I mean, I know it's only 10 pounds, but Dropping from 35 to 25 is the biggest body fat decrease. You know, I think you can only have like three to five percent body fat to be a 25. You know, I think that TJ is a great fighter, but I think he's actually I don't want to say make a mistake. The fight hasn't happened yet, but I think that he's playing with fire. You know, I think that. You going down the Cejudo's weight class, where I do think he has a speed advantage over you. I do think that Cejudo is not necessarily in the developing stages, but I think TJ's done developing. I think that Cejudo still has more room for growth. I think that Cejudo's probably translate to the cleaner puncher in tight and more short and compact inside the pocket. And if I had to say a, a, a weakness with Dillashaw is. Like, uh, it's actually real funny. Eric Del Fiero said it best in one of the in-between rounds against Cruz. The harder he goes, the more vulnerable he is. When TJ, when you have success against TJ, he's the type of guy, like we've heard rumors about him in the gym in the past, he's the type of guy that has to get it back right away. He doesn't like when people have the better against him, you know? And... That was the issue and why he lost to Cruz. He got a little bit too over-aggressive, and Cruz was just slipping and picking him apart. Now he's going to have a guy who Henry was very hard to push back, man. And like I said, I don't think Dillashaw's that skilled fighting backwards. So it's a tough fight. I think they're both great fighters. I think that Henry's the faster, more compact, more explosive guy. I think TJ's the more rangier, better kicks. I think Henry's got a better chin. I don't want to say, because I, I don't know how TJ's cardio is going to be at 25. I've seen him get tired against Sun Sal the first fight. I've seen him get tired against Cruz, you know. And, and, then, and then the second uh, Garbrandt fight, like I said, I feel like Garbrandt's emotions played a big factor, man. When you, I don't want to say he's one-dimensional, but he is one-dimensional. He's just sitting back, you know, trying to load up and time him, coming in on the power. And, you know, he can get away with that for a while, but Cody had never lost up until that point, man. First loss time was coming for him. We know he's unstable a little bit mentally, at least in comparison to Cejudo, in my opinion. I mean, when he's touching him and you're flicking him off between rounds, you know, every time you touch him, you're doing this, you're waving the finger at him. It just shows that the guy, you know, you know, TJ was in his head big time, you know? So props to TJ. I got a lot of respect for him. But in this fight, I I think it's a dog or pass situation. When you say 70% chance of winning... I don't think anyone, anyone has a 70% chance of winning against Henry Cejudo. And that's at twenty five, at 25s 25, at 25 and, uh, and third. Even going into the last DJ fight, I was, I was like, bro, I ain't been DJ in the spot. Like Henry is capable of doing anything. It's a matter of just doing it. And he finally put the pieces together. And I still think he's got room to improve off that fight. So I wouldn't be shocked. He's got the confidence now. I'm going to go with Henry for the upset. But got a lot of respect for uh, Dillashaw both guys are
0: incredible fighters. I don't think the weight cut is going to be a factor, but I think the weight class is going to be a factor. And what I mean by that is TJ is going to make weight, Henry's probably going to make weight too. It's funny. I actually think if one guy misses weight, it might actually be Henry, which would be a whole other chaos. But they're both they're they're both going to make weight. I'll, I'll just let you know that. But uh TJ Dillashaw is not going to miss, so I I ain't worried about any of that. But what I will say is just the frequency and the speed difference between 25s and 35s is just night and day. So what I want you guys to do is pull up that DJ versus Henry fight, the second one. Have that open one window and your other window open up TJ and Cody. I mean, dude, just the speed difference is just night and day and now TJ's got to go down to that faster speed, man. And uh I think he's going to get countered with some hard shots. I think when he comes in here and you know sets up his high kicks, sets, sets up his low kicks, there's going to be a right hand waiting for him and I question TJ's chin up a weight class i'm gonna question even more down a weight class and it's not that one punch will put him out because the dude has insane recoverability i mean he's on (laughs) he's he's on the look look at
1: that guy sam calvita that he's got working for him whatever yeah if you know about that guy's background (laughs)
0: but no all i gotta say is uh he's on the finest flintstone vitamins that money can buy and that scientists have ever made so he's gonna make this 25 drop The only thing is here is that when he starts eating these shots, look, he recovered great at 35. I don't think he'll recover as well at 25. And also, just to make 25s, look, he's going to make it. I already said that a million times. What you were saying about the body fat percentage, this isn't the same as going from 70 to 55 or 55 to 45 or 45 to 35. When you're going 35 to 25, you're literally at the brink of your body fat. You're at the brink of death. I mean, what? How much more weight can you lose? He was already so ripped at 35. He was in the best shape of his life. So now he's cutting into his muscle and getting rid of some of that. So, look, he's gonna come out here and give Henry a competitive fight. But I just feel like this is Henry's weight class. 25s is not really somewhere you want to gamble into if you're not a 25 or So, I just really think the speed and frequency is gonna be the big difference. Both great fighters. Both can uh, knock people out, even though TJ's knocked a lot more people out. I know Henry only knocked out uh, Haste, but you know what? If he lands clean on the chin, he he will get another uh, knockout win on his record. Don't think that because he doesn't have that many KO wins that he hits soft or anything, because I'll tell you right now, uh, not only is he a gold medalist Olympian, he's also a golden gloves boxer. The kid does not hit soft. And you want to talk about The biggest improvement I've ever seen in a fighter? Well, check this out. Go back and listen to half the battle for UFC 197 when I picked Henry Cejudo to beat DJ the first time. Then go watch that fight. DJ absolutely embarrassed Henry Cejudo. Embarrassed him in the first two minutes. I mean, just got rid of him right away. Okay, well, you you line them back up again. You match them up again. And what's going to happen when they rematch? Well... I mean, if DJ was that much better, he would just go out there and smoke him in the first round again. Well, guess what? When you talk about the biggest improvement I've ever seen, going from getting smashed in the first round, he leveled up to the point where now he's going out there and not just beating DJ, he's winning the decision against DJ. Well, like
1: that He went through adversity. He had his the Chandler injury going on in that first round, and then he came back and won still. And I truly think that even though, like you said, he doesn't have – many knockouts on his record like tj said he's a boring fighter and all his fights he scrapes out decisions but i mean (laughs) he's got some serious force on those punches man like i'm surprised he hasn't knocked out more people but he's hurt people like flashed out like formiga he clipped him on the ear and he just fucking dropped down but another thing is man what about the wrestling man like, look, I know TJ's a D1 wrestler as well, college wrestler. He plays. You know what's a step up from well, D1? <laughs> yeah, Olympic gold medalist, and you know they're saying Olympic gold medalist don't mean shit in the in the MMA in, uh, UFC cage. But let's just talk about TJ's wrestling defense. I know he's a college wrestler, but what happened when Cruz took him down four times? What happened when a sunset took him down, even though he whipped a ass? A sunset did take him down, and uh, I mean he's been taken down before though. Cruz took him down four times, man, and I've seen Henry, Henry. I used to say Weidman had the best single leg I've ever seen, but I'll change that to Henry Cejudo has the best single leg I've seen. I mean, he's shooting that thing low and just dumping guys up on their head. Like I know Sergio's got shitty takedown defense, but some of those single legs were. He did, I mean, to he did it too. to DJ too, man. So he took him down the first fight too, man. So he's got the inside chest. I think he's a better wrestler as well.
0: Yeah, look, they're both incredible. But now, Henry Cejudo is really making these massive leaps and bounds that he is finally becoming the guy that I thought he was going to be back at UFC 197 when I picked him to beat DJ the first time. Well, now he's actually becoming that guy. Much respect to DJ for, or to TJ for this. uh, I mean, the guy's got balls, the guy's got confidence. Uh, Hey, you know what I'm saying? He's willing to. He hasn't even won the second belt, and he's already already talking about challenging Max and shit. Like, I respect you, bro. Like Even though I think Max would smoke you in the first round, I respect you for ha- ha- for being that kind of man that's willing to test yourself. So my hat's off to a guy like TJ Dillashaw. I mean, I remember when you and I saw him fight in Duluth, Georgia, against Mike Easton on the fucking undercard. You know what I'm saying? So I, 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 I've known about TJ a long-ass time, but uh, I'm going to go with Henry Cejudo here to defeat TJ Dillashaw and still the flyweight champion of the world. We'll see what happens to the division. Now we got to hit up Kyle Marley for the Big Marley Minute. Joining us now on the Big Marley Minute is Big Marley himself, Kyle. First event of
2: 2019, and now the UFC is finally on ESPN, my man. What's going on? Hey, man, not much. Uh, Glad fights are back. I enjoyed the break, but I'm glad to have the fights back. Uh, And I'm ready to win some money this weekend uh, on the first ESPN card. Uh, And the first card of 2019, let's start the card the year off right.
0: Absolutely, because, I mean, right away we got the main event. Henry Cejudo taking on TJ Dillashaw. Man, champ versus champ, but if t j wins, he becomes a champ champ. If Henry wins, he defends the title for the first time, opens a conversation of possibly going up to 35s well shit, man which way are you going?
2: uh this is definitely an all in fight for me for draftkings uh I'm gonna be making multiple lineups, and I just think whoever does win this fight is gonna score enough to be on the optimal lineup so. That's really what I'm targeting, so I'm going to end up taking both sides. I'll probably be pretty close to 50-50 on this fight, um, but I think Sahudo can pull this off, man. TJ has not been looking good, in that extra 10 pounds of cutting weight It's not going to help his chin at all. Uh, I think Cejudo is very live for a knockout in this fight, and I think he's the better wrestler of the two, When usually I have TJ being the better wrestler in his matchups, um, so I actually... I'm going to go ahead and favor Sahudo here with the line. If it was pick him, I would just load up on TJ. But we're getting Sahudo at 7,300 on DraftKings. And if he's going to get a knockout, then he's going to demolish that price. And he'll for sure be on the winning lineup. So I have to take a little bit more shots at him. So maybe even like a 60-40 lean if I'm making 10 lineups. Um, but TJ, on the other hand, has the higher ceiling. Because even in Henry's uh, wins, he just beat DJ in a five-round win. But he only scored 77 points. Uh, the win before that was Pettis. He only scored 72. So those aren't going to light up the leaderboard at all, but man, if he can get that knockout, he's for sure going to be on. And even at the $7,300 price tag, we'll take like a 77 point win. So I could deal with that from him, but TJ on the other hand, pretty much has to score like over a hundred points with these other big names we have on the card. And he's capable of doing it. In his last fight, he scored 133 fight before that was a hundred. And the one before that was 115. So I think he has one of the higher ceilings on the card. But, man, I'm just nervous about that weight cut and at 125 pounds. I'd rather him just be fighting at 135 and then I'd pick him for sure in this fight. But he's not. So I'm going to go ahead and go with Cejudo to pull off the upset. Uh, But either way, I'm going to be targeting this fight. I'm going to have a lot of Dillashaw, a lot of Cejudo. And I expect the winner of this fight to be on the winning lineup.
0: So Greg Hardy's taking on Alan Crowder. You're going to have to pay up to put Greg Hardy in your lineup, but do you think his first-round knockout of Crowder, at least that's what I think is going to happen, do you think that'll score enough points to
2: to cover that salary? Uh, I think he's the safest lock for over 100 points because uh, it is going to be a first-round knockout. But the issue is he doesn't really have that 120-point upside like a, like a Dillashaw does. Um, and Dillashaw's 600 cheaper than him, so... I don't think Hardy's a must at all because he's pretty much capped at like 105, maybe max 110 points. And he's going to need enough strikes where Crowder doesn't fall or even two knockdowns to get there. Because if he goes out there and knocks him out with five punches, then he's sitting at 90 points for the win, 10 points for the knockdown. And then those five punches, you would get two and a half points each. So 102 and a half points isn't going to win you fifteen thousand dollars. So he's definitely not a must. We got some guys with higher ceilings on the card, but I think he's the safest lock for a hundred points.
0: So the other highly priced favorite on DraftKings and just in the betting lines is Gregor Gillespie. And I know takedown score a lot of points in DraftKings. You think he's gonna have one of those performances that's gonna far surpass the salary?
2: So yeah he's the reason Hardy's not a must because we got Gregor who's the best play on the card. Uh one of the best plays just period as a name. His style is what we want in DraftKings. He's had five wins in his UFC career and he averages 120 points. I love just targeting guys who can possibly get to 100 points and he averages it in five wins. So he's he's the best play on the card. There's no hiding it. Everybody knows it. He's going to be the most owned guy on the card. So I'm going to have to go overweight. He's going to be a lock in cash for me. Um, I just think I mean, his opponent with Yancey, Yancey's a better opponent than Crowder. So that's why I say Hardy's the safest lock for 100 points. But Gregor's got the highest ceiling on the card. I think he's a lock as well. And he should definitely score more than 100 points with the upside of 130. So give me all the Gregor. So you're not even going to take maybe 1%
0: of Yancey just in case, uh, you know, something happens here. You kill the whole field with uh, one upset.
2: Uh, So... All right, if I was making 150 lineups, I I would take some Yancey for that reason. But I'm probably going to stick to my usual 20 or so this week, and I I just can't justify investing in Yancey with 20 lineups. So maybe I'll throw a couple hedge lineups in after the 20, and maybe Yancey makes one of those, and hopefully those other five guys in that lineup are the right guys. But I just don't feel comfortable investing in him when I, I feel real good about Gillespie winning this fight in dominant fashion and then going out and getting a top five guy next.
0: So Ortiz and Benavidez are rematching. I know you remember the first fight, unbelievable fight. But it was kind of one sided. Just the the toughness of Dustin Ortiz was the reason it was so exciting. So now I gotta know, man, a couple years later. You think there's gonna be much uh much difference here? Uh
2: well, yeah, I think it's gonna be a closer fight this time, actually. Um I think we saw the best prime Benavitas back then. And in that fight, he scored 93 points. Uh, if he goes out and does that again, then that's fine. That's more than 10 X his nine K salary. But I don't know if that even puts him on the winning lineup, but I think this fight's going to be closer than that, where I don't see him getting 93 points in this. If he wins, which I am going to pick him to win. I just think it's going to be closer. Maybe he'll spend a little bit of time on his back where he's not going to be racking up points. And I think this is more of a split decision type fight uh, where the winner it's like a 75 to 80 point score something along those lines and I don't think this fight's a must have for that reason but I think Ortiz is a solid punt in case he can pull it off Uh, I do think he goes all three rounds uh so in cash games I think Ortiz is fine for the punt there you can rack up 30 points in a loss and as long as you get your wins elsewhere uh then paying down at 7200 for that is solid so um, this is more of a cash game play for me, and I'm going to lean Ortiz for that reason. But my pick to win is Benavides.
0: So Paige Van Zandt's taking on Rachel Ostevich. I have a feeling, if I had to guess, neither of these are high scorers. But at the same time, Paige Van Zandt did get a highlight reel knockout, you know, her last win. So, man, what's your opinion from a DraftKings perspective?
2: Uh, man, this is this is a fight to fade, really. I'm more just looking forward to watching this fight because they are both good-looking, really. (laughs) I'm really not too invested in the fight itself. Uh, I don't see this being a high-scoring fight. And uh, we're going to need a finish for one of them to end up on the optimal lineup. That's something I'm not going to invest in. But I will take PVZ to get the job done. Um, So I'll be rooting for her.
0: So Glover Teixeira is taking on Carl Roberson. Carl took this on a week short notice up a weight class. But we saw him at 205 on Contender Series, knocked his opponent out. So I got to know, man. You think he's ready for the perennial
2: top five, Glover Teixeira? Uh, man, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to finding out, though. This is a great test for him. Uh, 39-year-old Glover can definitely be knocked out by Robertson. So Robertson's alive for the knockout. He's one of the underdogs I do like here. But I'm worried about Glover putting him on his ass and maybe submitting him. I think both guys here are alive for a first-round finish. And at their price tags of 8300 for Glover and 7900 for Robertson, if it is a first-round finish, I think it puts them on the optimal lineup. Uh, I am going to go ahead and lean with Robertson, though. I think just I think Glover's past his time. Father time's undefeated. Uh, I, I think he gets put away here. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and lean with Robertson, and I do like him as a play because if he gets a, a first-round knockout at 7,900, then he's going to win somebody 15K. And last but not least – the newcomer,
0: Arianne, the violence queen, Lipski, is taking on Joanne Calderwood. I don't know if you've seen Lipsky on the regional scene, but she's knocked girls out with one punch. And uh, we know that's a very exciting thing, especially in this
2: weight class. So I got to know, man. You think she's going to continue that success here? Yeah, man. Lipsky looks good. And, I mean, she's a decent fighter too. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I think, think she's solid enough to beat Calderwood. I think her striking is, is top notch. I mean, some of the most dangerous in the division, I'd say. But it's just not going to be as easy as her other fights. Calderwood's not going to stand there for the counter and just get lit up. She's going to be using her footwork, and I think it's going to be a lot closer than the line indicates. Um, So I think I would actually, if I was going to make one lineup and I had to use this fight, I would rather have Calderwood at 7,400. I mean, we have to have underdogs in our lineup. Uh, I don't see her being heavily owned at all. If she can go out there and squeak out a decision win, even with like 80 points, I think that, that puts us live for the 15K. Uh, so I'll be taking a couple shots on her for that reason. But Lipski is going to be my pick to win. Uh, I think she's a solid prospect, and uh, she does look violent. Well, Kyle, that's why you are the DraftKings
0: guy for half the battle. It's going down this Saturday, UFC on ESPN. And you uh, got to let them know that now uh, they can get the Kyle Marley write-ups at bestfightpicks.com.
2: Yeah, man, for uh, podcast listeners only, you can go to bestfightpicks.com, dot com seven ninety nine. that's all I'm asking for. This thing's going to be 20,000 words. Uh, it takes a whole lot of time, so even if you're not playing DraftKings, I think it'll help you out with some bets. You get all my predictions, breakdowns for every single fight, uh, and now if you're listening to the Half the Battle, you can get it on Best Fight Picks. Um, so yeah, we're not going to be promoing that on Twitter at all, so just for you guys listening to me right now, and I hope you guys crush with it.
0: Yeah, and I mean, just to let you guys know, because I do read this article every single week, and man, the detail, Kyle Marley gives all of his soul into these write-ups, is all I got to say, man, so definitely check them out at bestfightpicks.com, and uh, Kyle,
2: good luck this weekend, man, it's time to cash. Yes, buddy, let's get it, Uh, let's start 2019 off with a win, and good luck to everybody. That's why
0: Kyle Marley is the DraftKings guy for half the battle, well Shaq, now we got to talk about the fight to watch, and the fighter to watch. So what is the fight to watch for UFC on ESPN?
1: My fight to watch is actually going to be a surprising one. It's on the fight press prelims, Bermudez versus T. Edwards. I like the spot just because I think that both guys, I think the, each guy's job is on the line, even though T. Edwards is only coming off one loss. I think if he lost this, he would be cut. He'd be 6-3. and three. And Bermudez would have five rounds in a row, so this is a loser-goes-home fight. But I love these type of fights. We got a guy who needs a win. Badly. I mean, Bermudez is itching for a win and we got a guy in T Edwards who had was a minus 500 favorite in his debut to getting embarrassed. And now I know he's hungry and not to mention he's fighting a guy where, you know,
0: it's a big name. Yeah,
1: big name. <laughs> He's like, fuck, I'm fighting Bermuda. It's like, shit, you know, especially at 55s. So, you know, that's my fight to watch. I really like T. Uh, Edwards' explosiveness and his power. I'm interested to see what other, you know, things uh, that he has in this game. But Bermuda always brings it, and I think uh, that fight's going to be one of those. Like, It could either be a flash KO... Or- uh, for Edwards, or we'll see Dennis finally get a win for the first time since Honey Jason.
0: You know, interestingly enough, my fight to watch is also on the Fight Pass prelims. I'm gonna go with Jeff Neal versus Bilal Muhammad. I think it's a very intriguing fight. I think if Jeff Neal comes out here and knocks out a guy like Bilal Muhammad, or even wins a decision, that would just show that hey, I'm not just going out there and smashing these cans like Camozzi and you know the other guy he beat Camacho and Chase Weldon. And all that. If he beats Bilal, it's like, okay, now you're a legit top 30 guy. You can go on to bigger fights. Then we can talk about Jeff Neal versus Zaleski. Then we can talk about Jeff Neal versus Melender. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm just saying, if he beats Bilal, those are the kind of fights that will come next. And on the other hand, with Bilal, he's been looking for a step up for a really long time. Well, he
1: and, was supposed to fight Eliza.
0: And, uh, you know, he uh, unfortunately couldn't make it to that <laughs> fight with uh, with Eliza. Uh, you Melinda's know, so, so, some things happened there. Yeah. Uh, you know, me and you know the deal, but I, look. But as far as my boys Bilal is concerned, if he beats Jeff Neal, no more taking on these prospects. Yeah, I say these prospects. He fought Jordan Mean and Tim Means, who are not prospects, who are established guys. But let's. uh, No more, no more Randy Browns, no more Ren Counters, no Those more Augusto Montagnos. Like, let's start. Let's, let's put Bilal in there with a legit top 20 guy if he beats Jeff Neal. That is my fight to watch. Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC Brooklyn?
1: My fighter to watch is going to be Paige Van Zandt. (laughs) Because, look, we're talking about a girl who had a serious fucking hype train, dancing with the stars. I remember back in the day when I used to be a Hell's Kitchen buff, I saw her on uh, Hell's Kitchen one time. Shout out to my, what's his name, Ramsey? I I fuck with that guy. I'm a Hell's Kitchen buff, (laughs) are you? (laughs) I'm a serious Hell's Kitchen buff. But uh, I think uh, Van Zandt has to win this fight, bro. She just got dropped from Reebok. Uh, I mean, you could kind of say her career is like, this is it. Like, this is it for her. Like, she has to. I haven't seen her on Dancing with the Stars recently. Like, her market has already fallen down seriously. I heard her book hasn't been selling well. (laughs) When you're losing, they don't give a fuck about you, you know? She hasn't won a fight since, uh, Beck Rollins.
0: Since, uh, Maya and Condit fought.
1: Exactly. She hasn't won a fight in a long time. She was supposed to be this star. And now, you know, her opponent, Ostevich, uh... You know, we know what she's going through. And it's a hot fight, man. Both chicks are smoking. uh. But Paige has to win this fight. Our is over, in my opinion. I wouldn't be shocked if she lost this fight and got pregnant and had babies. Huh?
0: <laughs> Shout out to my boy, Austin Vanderford. Shout out to Vanderford. He's Even like, though you ducked my boy, Jared Goode, and I still... I, I don't blame you, bro. That would have been a bad fight for you. So contract. I, I respect you, uh, Austin. My fighter to watch is Alexander Hernandez. Look. This kid has been talking so much shit about Cerrone. He called uh, the guy a journeyman and all this and that. Uh, You know, the kid's been in the UFC six months. And, hey, man, you come out here, you beat Donald Cerrone with only six months of uh, UFC experience. That's going to catapult your career to that next level. And if he really is this guy that everyone's saying he is, then he better not just come out here and squeak out a victory. He better come out here and steamroll Donald Cerrone. And for that reason, he's my fighter to watch. I mean, he's literally made himself the fighter to watch the way he's promoted this fight I have to watch Alex Hernandez fight this weekend. So, hey, let's let's see what he's got. Alex Hernandez is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday. UFC on ESPN. Long time coming. We've been waiting for the day that the UFC got on ESPN. Now it's finally here. I cannot wait. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at BestFightPicks. Follow Shaq at MMAGenius05. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Hook up those five-star reviews. Hit up bestfivepicks.com for the plays. Use the promo code ROCKSTAR to save 15% off any package. Shaq and I will be back for the next card as always. Shout out to all our supporters, all our fans, all the love. We love you guys. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.